Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, beautiful medical moms. It's been a while. I took a hiatus from the podcast because I just needed a break. Something had to give towards the end of the year with all the craziness and there were just a lot of transitions in 2023. Um, my husband's job changed and everything, like there were like just lots of shifts in our routine and adjustments that we had to make. Um, I had a few bouts of depression in 2023 that were tough to work through. And I think collectively 2023 was just like a big growth year. From my perspective, I felt like everyone that I was interacting with both in person and online were all going through these like collective growth uh, changes. And for me, I feel like in every capacity there was to grow, the universe was forcing me to grow. Like there are some times where you like, are choosing to grow. You're like choosing to go and do something that's outside your comfort zone. But a lot of growth happens when we can't choose it or we don't choose it. And it's just in our face and we have to decide like, how are we going to face these hard things? And every capacity of my life was feeling stretched. And I just had to, um, take a break from the podcast for the last two months and (laughs) implement all these changes, implement all these things. And I will say I have missed recording my podcast so much and I'm excited to be back on schedule and be here with you today. Um, With that said, I am here today to talk about a concept that I have dubbed, like created as quiet conversations. And I created this to kind of encompass the small, almost unnoticeable conversations that you have in the background of your mind that you have with yourself. And these are, and these are those quiet conversations that are not always so obvious, right? We all know those like loud, overwhelming thoughts that we can have that are just kind of like constantly in our brain or very obviously like upsetting to us or overwhelming. But there are lots of instances where we're not noticing. And I find it, it's always like kind of like in the background when we're doing other tasks, like washing the dishes or driving or making dinner. And there's just that background noise of things our brain wants to tell us. And in those moments, we have the option to listen passively 
as a person that just has to take it, right? Like we're just getting lectured by our brain, but it always doesn't, it doesn't always feel like a lecture. That's what I mean by these quiet conversations. These quiet conversations are when our brain is venting to us about who we are, about what we've done, about all the things we have to do. And we don't always engage in those because we think that it is not our place to argue with the truth. And even though we kind of can see like, oh, these are kind of negative thoughts, or this is making me feel sad, or gosh, I'm I'm being really hard on myself, even though we can kind of have that perspective, we might not actually believe entirely that what our brain is saying is false. And that's because it's usually reoccurring thoughts or beliefs we have about ourselves that we kind of believe are already true. Part of it we feel like is actually true. Part of it feels like we have merit so that we actually don't engage. We don't actually have a conversation with ourselves. We just let ourselves be quietly lectured. And so I want to introduce this concept to you as a way of saying it's not actually a lecture. It's a conversation. And I want you to have the conversation with yourself, not with the thoughts. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So think of this as the quiet conversations you get to have with yourself. And it is your ability in those moments to reinforce those beliefs. Or we can create a new path. Sometimes when we are listening to the lecture streaming in the back of our mind on that low noise, we can not purposely reinforce those beliefs about ourselves because we don't shut them down. We don't take an alternative path. We just listen and we are passive about it. And it also shuts our body down. We get so bogged down physically by the stress and overwhelm of all the things that we're so imperfect with that we reinforce those beliefs by not engaging. And we believe it's just the truth. And there's nothing we can do if it's just the truth. So those quiet conversations you have, I want you to think of them as the building blocks of self-love. They are the building blocks of all of the things regarding yourself. So your self-belief, your self-confidence, your identity, uh, your ability to take action that you may have been avoiding. All of those building blocks of who you are come from how you're thinking about yourself and what you are allowing yourself to believe. For example, you might be running late for an appointment. You're drinking. Uh, you're not drinking. It's a typo on my script. You're drinking in the car. <laughs> you're driving in the car. Maybe you're drinking water or an energy drink in my case. Diet Coke, a smoothie. Uh, you're thinking and drinking in the car and you're driving. I don't know. You're thinking, drinking, and driving. <laughs> you are driving in the car. 
this is my example. And you are running late for a, a doctor's appointment. You have got your kid in the car. You got all the things prepared and you're running late and you are driving, right? So sometimes I'm like disassociating while driving, not completely, but like, I'm like zoning out. Sometimes I'm driving and I'm like, how did I get here? That is where those quiet conversations start happening. It's like when you're like a little zoned out or when you're like listening to music and you're just like the background in your brain is telling you a story, the background in your brain while you're doing the dishes and while you're driving and drinking and doing the dishes <laughs> and thinking all of those things, you, the background of your mind is kind of passive because your brain is like a little bit like zoned out and you might just be listening to that brain stream, right? So you're in the car. You're drinking your protein shake. You are driving to your appointment and you're running late. And there are thoughts that you're trying to just kind of ignore maybe, but that are still playing on the background of your mind. And it says something like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. This isn't good. You're late again. You're late again. This is your fault. This is your fault. If you're only more organized and more prepared and you're a better mom, and what are they going to think of you? Weren't you late last time too? That appointment was six months ago and you still don't have your shit together. Like... Aren't they just going to think that you're just so irresponsible? Oh man, what are they going to do? What if we're late? What if we can't get to our appointment? And if we can't get to our appointment and we have to drive all this way and they don't let us see the doctor, we are going to be so screwed up for everything. That means we're going to have to drive back here. You're so irresponsible with money. You don't pay attention to your gas. Other moms probably have all of this scheduled out. I don't know why you didn't just get up earlier you should have just went to bed earlier. That's your problem. You're selfish. You stayed up reading a book. Like, what the heck? This could have all been avoided if you just weren't so not you. Like, you just can't do anything right. Like, this is just one example after another of why you can't get your shit together. And this is no wonder you're overwhelmed all the time. Like, you just have to be so different. This is the, the playlist that's on in your mind. A streaming sort of thoughts of just listing things that you are failing at under the guise of encouraging you to be a better mom. This isn't actually encouragement, but the reason why it's so hard to catch is because it sounds true to some extent. We can all identify that this is mean and we can identify that maybe it's not um, positive thinking, right? This is negative thinking. But the problem is, is that when it's your own insecurities or your own thoughts being played in the background, you are hearing only the facts that your brain is going to put out and agree with those things. So if in this example, you had stayed up the night before reading a book, you're like, I did do that. So this is the natural consequence of that. Or I did stay up too late. I didn't get up on time. I should have been more prepared because if I had been, I could have avoided this. I could have avoided being a failure. I could have avoided not being so frenzied this morning or overwhelmed. And it's a shame that my kid or my husband or my wife or my family has to deal with my imperfections. And your brain is like, obviously, if you just got your shit together, if you were just more prepared... They wouldn't have to deal with your imperfections like this. They would be able to see that you're a good person. And it's just such a flipped way of, uh, it's using shame as a tool to, under the skies of like trying to get you to be better. 
But this is where you have a choice in the matter. This is where I want you to think of engaging in a conversation, not an argument. Okay. Sometimes you're going to just want to fire, fire back, right? You're going to get stuck in this argument with your brain. And if you've ever been there, it is literally just a spiral of nonsense. You find yourself arguing about the craziest things. And this is those moments where they're almost imperceptible that you have a choice in how you respond to yourself. Because I understand what it's like to be in those trenches, especially when you're struggling with other mental health issues like depression or anxiety, and you have to remind yourself that this is not the truth with a capital T. They, that stream of thoughts is making you feel stuck because it's making you feel shame. And when you are feeling stuck and full of shame, you are 100% feeling unworthy of anything positive, anything um, encouraging, anything loving. And so instead of arguing with the point by point thoughts of like, what happens is you just kind of like swing to the other extreme. And this is what it gets a little bit confusing, I think, with mindset work. People want to say, well, yeah, I'm really negative about myself and I just need to be positive. And they swing to the other side of the spectrum and they're just like, I know I'm a good mom. I know I'm a good mom. I'm, I'm allowed to be late. I, I, I'm allowed to take time for myself. And even though these thoughts, again, on the surface are fine and true and positive, it isn't going to feel like it actually helps you because it just feels like you are defending yourself. And when you're in defense of yourself, you feel like there is something to defend. Like there has to be something to defend. And that's why I want you to not argue with yourself because there is nothing to defend. Nothing has gone wrong. I want you to actually just zoom out and get very curious about the whole narrative, the whole line of thinking in general. Not one specific thought yet. Because what I've found is that when we try to argue with those specific thoughts in those moments, you just get stuck in that spirally loop going back and forth, back and forth. Well, good moms don't be late. Good moms do this. Well, okay, well, I could think my kid could survive being having a few times being late. And like, it's just nonsense. It just goes back and forth. And I just don't think it's actually a good use of your time. Um, I've probably contradicted myself on the podcast at some point. And I think in some circumstances, you can argue with yourself and have a positive income or a positive outcome. But in this moment, in these examples, I just don't think it's worth it. I think you have to get good at being very curious. And curiosity starts with looking at the bigger picture. Um, I also know this is common with my clients because I will work with them. And in a one-to-one -one session, we do zoom in on specific thoughts. And it's important to see that because it helps my clients see where specific thoughts um, are influencing them and impacting how they feel and seeing their line of thinking as illogical and like not making sense is really helpful. And it's also really empowering because you can see like, oh yeah, this thought actually is making me feel like the worst person and I don't want to feel like the worst person.
but I don't want you to just start arguing with individual thoughts because again, it's a waste of your time. Um, and sometimes when I challenge my clients with these individual thoughts, they'll just share the stream of thoughts that they also have. And so we'll go back and forth and like, it's kind of entertaining for both of the, us, me and the client. It's a good exercise for a few minutes to just kind of go back and forth in terms of like, okay, well, if I say, and why does it matter that you're late? They will just continue on with that stream of thoughts. Well, because if I'm late, then I'm just not showing my kid a good example and I, and I should have better boundaries with my time and I shouldn't be so selfish by reading and I should really have better sleep for my mental health. And I just, but the problem is with all of that is that you are defending something and what you're actually defending is that your brain is right. Your brain is actually right, but you're equally trying to not let it be right that you're bad and you're a failure and like you should get your crap together and not wanting it to be right. And you're like, no, these are not good thoughts because I feel crappy and I want to be more positive. And you just, again, it's that stuck feeling of like, but these are correct ideals. I don't want to be late anymore to my appointments but I also don't want to feel like shit because I'm late to my appointments. And your brain is really smart that it just gives you enough logical uh, statements to make you feel like it's the truth. And so you get stuck in the weeds and you get stuck arguing with these like tit for tat things. So again, we're going to take a deep breath in those moments and just get very curious and say, huh, I wonder where all this is coming from. Like what is my deal right now. What is going on with me? Where is all this coming up? This takes you away from defense mode into observing mode. And I want you to think of like, when is the last time you had like a really good conversation with someone that maybe you didn't even agree on everything, but you just had a very engaging conversation. And maybe you haven't had one recently, but in those conversations, I like to think, I love engaging in like philosophical discussions and social uh, psychological discussions. And I love those conversations that are intellectually stimulating, but also has a baseline of respect. And that is the key to having a conversation with anyone, even if you don't agree with them. And when we are talking to ourselves, especially, we should take away the defensive mode because we're not, we don't need to defend ourselves because there's nothing to defend. We don't have to get scared that our secret voice inside our brain is actually telling us the hidden truth about how much we're a failure and unlovable we are. You don't have to hide from yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to do anything because your brain is not in charge of you. You are not your thoughts. You are the observer of your mind. You are here to feel the sensations in your body, known as feelings and emotions, and observe your brain that is creating the thoughts in your mind, and zoom out and get curious, and start asking yourself questions about the big picture. Where is this urgency coming from? Why did I need that time to just read? Why 
Do I feel so stressed out right now? What's the real reason that I'm so worked up? 99% of the time, it is coming from guessing your worthiness. Second guessing how others will think of you and therefore change how worthy you are. Women especially are socialized to believe that their worthiness comes from what they can do for other people. Especially as mothers, it's just compounded again and again and again, especially for medical moms who work as a part-time caregiver to their child. Not a part-time caregiver, but like part of your identity as a caregiver. And when you are a mother and a woman and a caregiver for your child with medical needs, you're continuously compounded with this idea that like your worthiness is only as good as what you are doing for your child. Your confidence can be only as good as how people perceive you in that role. And if those are your identities, you are going to struggle with finding your worth. And so in those moments, in those quiet conversations, yes, it might be just about the appointment on the surface, but in reality, what's really going on is your brain is trying to negotiate how lovable you are in that moment. They're trying to, it's trying to measure your worth. And it's like, your brain craves certainty. It wants certainty in all things. And that's the paradox of being alive because there is no certainty. There is very little certainty in, especially in these like emotional states of being. And we want the certainty to come from outside of ourselves because we, again, are socialized to see the authority comes from other people. It comes from doctors. It comes from our spouse. It comes from our parents. It comes from the leaders in our community. It comes from celebrities. It comes from other, just it, literally sometimes anybody else except us because we don't see our own voice as authority or the truth or even on par with other people. And so when your brain is craving that certainty, it's often easier for it to just be certain that you're unlovable than you are lovable. Because we can, your brain is like naturally looking for um, things to hurt you, both physically and emotionally. And if it can see those things, it's like, hey, we might as well be aware of this because if you're just aware that being late to this appointment is going to make you unlovable, then at least you know and you can try to fix it. In reality, it just makes us feel really a lot worse and nothing is actually going to happen except we're going to feel worse. And underneath all of the hoopla in your brain, your brain is just saying in those times, in those moments of criticism, it is often just saying, I just want to know for certain that I'm loved. That urgency to reinforce a belief is just saying, oh my gosh, am I still lovable in this moment? Are people going to still love me? Am I still going to be acceptable and likable? Am I going to be included? Am I excluding myself? This is where understanding comes in. Understanding is a key component to self-love and self-growth. When you give yourself understanding, you stop questioning 
why you are doing something. The, when you are not understanding yourself, when you're trying to say, oh, why did I stay up so late? I told myself I'd go to bed at 10 o'clock and I stayed up till 2 a.m. reading. I knew I had to get up at 6 a.m. for the appointment. Why did I do that? Why am I so dumb? Why didn't I pack all the things I needed to do earlier? Why didn't I read during the day? Why didn't I just have better self-control? Like, you get stuck in the weeds. Why, 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 why? And it's not helpful because your answers are going to be, because I'm dumb, because I'm irresponsible, because I, I'm just, I can't get over myself. I just am so, like, you're going to come up with all these negative responses. And that, that is not understanding. Some people are like, well, I do understand. I ask myself, like, I am really good at understanding my emotions or my thoughts. I understand, but I still don't know why I do it. And, and I'm like, that's not understanding at all. That is actually, um, just your brain finding ways. So instead of thinking of why, why, I want you to move into a place of what, okay? Again, because why comes from a place of defensiveness and like scrutiny and yes, there are good things. There are ways to ask yourself why in a non-judgmental way, but in this scenario, I don't think you can do it because it just comes from such a place of like criticism and the assumption that you did something wrong and you're a problem and it has to be fixed and, 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 and. If we move into what, then it gives us ourselves, again, we zoom out a little bit. We're less defensive. We're more curious. I'm late. Now what? How do I want to treat myself? How do I want to talk to myself? What can I give myself in the moment to feel a little bit better? Can I give myself grace in this moment? In what ways can I give myself love right now? If you're not used to being understanding or loving to yourself, you might perceive this as permissive or irresponsibility because part of your brain will be like, uh, okay, that's great and all, but what about the fact that we are still late and that's a problem? And this is the difference between shame and guilt. You might feel a little bit guilty. Oh yeah, I did stay up a little bit late. Oops, I'm late, I'm late to the appointment. It's true that there might be some consequences to your tardiness, but is this the hill that you wanna die on? Why is this issue something you wanna beat yourself up over? Why is it this issue that is bringing up this cascade of thinking and shame and overwhelm? You are late, you can't change that. Beating yourself up is not going to change the fact that you are currently in the present moment late. It's not going to change the fact that you read or uh, stayed up late or didn't get up on time or didn't organize things beforehand. It's also not going to, to suddenly change your behavior in the future. It's not going to be like, oh, remember that lecture I gave myself while driving? I don't want to do that again. I'm just going to go to bed. Like, never in my life have I just gone to bed because I was mean to myself. 
I usually do the opposite. <laughs> my brain wants to rebel against my own brain. So when you're in those moments, don't ask why, ask what. What can you do now? How can you show up yourself for yourself? And how do you want to feel now? What do you want to do now with this information? How do you want to show up and respond to yourself? And then you can ask yourself why of like, why is this even a problem? You being late doesn't define who you are and fill in the blank with anything else you've recently beat yourself up. Not having your laundry put away does not define who you are. Not or having credit card debt, debt doesn't define who you are. Uh, having an argument in your marriage doesn't define who you are. Um, gaining weight doesn't define who you are. I'm just thinking of all the things I've coached people on that we might say out loud as like, oh, that is obvious or logical. Or, you know, I hear that a lot. Like, I know logically this doesn't make sense, but, and I have to say, no, you don't know that it's not logical. Because if you did know that it wasn't logical, you wouldn't spend so much time worrying about it. Part of you believes that there is logic behind this in some capacity, and your brain has like done the mental gymnastics to make it feel very logical, but it's not. And so that's okay, it's understandable. Just fill in the blank. Whatever you're currently beating yourself up over does not define who you are. Because your thoughts are not who you are. You are who you are. Your thoughts are just a byproduct of your brain doing its job. So in those quiet conversations, this is where you can show up for yourself and engage, not in an argument, not in defensiveness, but just in curiosity. If things are going wrong, ask yourself, what does support look like for myself at the moment? This is my favorite question to ask myself in times where I have done something that I'm like, damn it, why did I do that? Why did I procrastinate that? Why did I uh, forget about that thing? Why am I running late? Why didn't I just do this earlier? Right? All the whys get in the way of actual progress because I am focusing on the wrong thing. I am focusing on my past behavior that cannot change, that is not going to change, and I'm stuck with the consequences of those things. And I think the reason why I, the solution is to focus on the past, even if the past was half an hour ago, there's nothing I can do about that. The only solution is to ask yourself, what can I do for me right now? What can I do to support myself in this moment? What does support look like in this moment? What can I ask others to do to help me in this moment? I guarantee support is not repeatedly telling yourself you're failing or that you're a bad mom or that you should definitely worry about what all the staff is going to think about you at your appointment. Another quiet conversation that happens often, especially to medical moms, is the thought, I should have known better. And there are variations of this, but it's always like, it's always along the lines of, I should have known better. I should have been prepared better. I should have worked harder. I should have known in some capacity what I'm going to face. And my response to this is always the same. Zoom out and get curious. And this is where we can ask why, right? Why should you have known better? Why? 
Why is that a standard of expectation? Who expects this of you? Who taught you to expect this of yourself? Who taught you that you should always be able to predict the future? When did you learn that? Why is that important to you? How is this even possible? Is this a realistic expectation that you should have of yourself? Do you want to have this expectation of yourself? My favorite response to this scenario, when my brain tries to tell me, you should have known better, you should have known better. Is it understandable that I didn't know? I love asking myself questions instead of statements, especially when I'm struggling because it's not as intimidating. Like if I just say, well, it's understandable that I didn't know. If I'm in a particularly emotional place, my brain might not be willing to accept that and I will start arguing with myself again. Instead, I'm going to ask myself, is it understandable that I didn't know? And if that's too intimidating for my brain or like too positive sometimes, I'll just say, what if it's understandable that I didn't know? Is that a possibility? What if it's understandable? The what ifs are a little bit easier, I think, sometimes for my brain to digest, especially when I'm feeling a lot of emotions. When you take the pressure off yourself in this, in this scenario and you are asking yourself, what if it's just understandable that I didn't know? And you allow yourself for that to be true, you're going to have a few things come up. And I've seen this with my clients over and over and over. One thing that will come up is the feeling that you're actually avoiding. Most of the time, it's sadness. Sadness of anything. It doesn't even have to be related. It just might be some sadness that you've had about their diagnosis recently. And you all of a sudden are feeling overwhelmed. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've been actually feeling sad this whole week. And I read last night because I was avoiding feeling my stressed out sadness. And I knew that this appointment was going to bring up some emotions and I was avoiding those. And this is also when number two is that there's the re it's a reminder that you're not in control. Reminding yourself that you're not in control of the future or what happens to your child can be overwhelming. And most appointments do this. Appointments are a reminder that things are outside of our control. Even when we show up every day, even when we're giving our kids meds and taking them to the appointments and doing all the things, it might not change or do anything differently for us. And that brings up even more emotions, sadness, guilt, uh, overwhelm. And those things have to be sat with. Number three, it will demonstrate to you where you're holding yourself to an unrealistic standard of perfectionism. I swore up and down that I was not like that much of a perfectionist, but then this last year in 2023, I did not realize the depths of how much perfectionism was strangling me. Like it just felt I was unraveling so many layers of perfectionism. And I kept telling myself like, are we really thinking that we have to be perfect in this scenario? Sure enough, I was. It's not always obvious. It's not always obvious. But for me, it was like this fear, this just like 
underlying fear of making too many mistakes. Like I could say, okay, all my past mistakes were fine. I can get over those, but any more mistakes from now on are intolerable and I can't. And so then I would make a mistake and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I am a failure. And uh, it wasn't that literal, but now I can look back and be like, oh, that's what my brain was doing. I wish it were that literal because then I could say, oh, gotcha. No, it was in these quiet conversations where I was holding myself to this really unrealistic standard of perfection. And it was overwhelming. And I was just like, oh, no wonder we feel so much pressure and so much stress is that we are holding ourselves to this unrealistic place. And when you ask yourself, what, what if it is understandable that I didn't know? You are grappling with your own imperfection in this moment. You are giving yourself a space to say, oh yeah, I am allowed to make mistakes. I am allowed not to be perfect every day. Actually, I'm allowed to never be perfect. What is perfectionism to begin with? Is it ever attainable? No, it's not. <laughs> right? You can zoom out and get curious about this and really grapple with what you believe about yourself and perfectionism in general. Perfectionism is not real. It is a made-up, socialized concept that we have grown, especially in the Western world. And before you start finding this new information as a new way to beat, all, you beat yourself up with, you not knowing any of this information thus far in this podcast is understandable. You shouldn't know how to do this already. You shouldn't know any of this information until you know it right now. And even if you've listened to this podcast where I've definitely repeated parts of these things over and over, because that's what I do, I talk about the same things, <laughs> because humans are predictable and we struggle with the same things over and over in different ways. And it's totally okay it's understandable because we do not hold ourselves to unrealistic standards, especially those rooted in perfectionism. You shouldn't know how to do this. And even if you do know how to do this, let this just be a reminder of honing in and refining those skills because you will never be perfect. You will always struggle at some point, And that is actually the best thing you can do for yourself. That is actually how you hold grace for yourself is knowing you will be imperfect, knowing you will make mistakes and deciding that perfectionism is not what you're going to chase anymore. It's actually how you want to respond to those mistakes. That is actually how we show up and do things differently. That's how we get our, that's the way we move forward. That's the way we can build sustainable growth and resilience and actually change our habits. Being a soft place to land is a phrase I use often on this podcast. I have a whole episode dedicated to it. Being a soft place to land is how you respond to those hard thoughts of yourself. And when your self is jumping in, you want to let them fall into an embrace. You, them is you. This is how you hold space for yourself. Getting curious and non-judgmental. Not letting those quiet conversations be passive lectures. Engage with yourself and hold that space for yourself. Be a soft place to land. Have those quiet conversations. And it will have an incredible effect on your self-belief. It is the habit that changed so much for me. It's the habit that I work on with my clients one-to-one. -one, and I always am so awed at the impact it can make on your life when you are implementing those tools.
It's how you reconnect with yourself and start seeing yourself as whole and believing that you are whole and not broken. There's nothing missing from you. Also, here's the thing. Basically, if you want to summarize this entire episode, it's this. You don't have to treat yourself like shit when things are going wrong in your life. If you are sad, if you are overwhelmed, if you are struggling at all, you can still struggle and you don't have to treat yourself badly. Even if your circumstances might be bad. Even if you have a very difficult season of life. Even if things are repetitively getting bad, you don't have to treat yourself badly. And I think this is such a almost novel concept sometimes. Like we think like, oh, if things are going wrong, I have to pile it on and be really bad, mean to me. And again, it doesn't make any sense, but it's something we do. We all do it. And it's catching those things in those moments. And, and how you avoid doing that, how you just like stop being mean to yourself is in those quiet conversations. And again, we're not going to be perfect at this. You don't, you're not supposed to be. It's understandable for you not to be. Just catch yourself the next time you're driving and listen in on what your brain is lecturing you about. Listen in while you're cooking dinner. What are you thinking about? What are you telling yourself? Okay? All right. I love you all so very much. Thank you for still supporting my podcast while I've been gone. People were still listening to my podcast, sharing links, talking to me about things, asking me questions in my DMs. And I cannot express enough gratitude for how much I love the online community that I have created over the last, you know, almost seven years of being a medical mom. Can you guys believe that? Zola is about to be seven in April. It's blowing my mind. Thank you for supporting me online. Thank you for following me on Instagram. Thank you for engaging in my content. Thank you for messaging me. I am always so grateful for the DMs I get the comments I have, the messages I get to, the conversations I get to have. The community of being a medical mom and sharing my life online has had its ups and downs. Um, but having the community is completely life-changing. Like it really is so special and I never take it for granted. So I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you to anyone who engages in my work and with the things I, I create online. It's very humbling. Um, all right, my friends, I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. The episode is over, but there's so much more you can get from our Facebook group. Come to the Mindset for Medical Moms Facebook group community at the link in the show notes and discuss all the things about the podcast. Also, you can get coached for free. Come and ask me questions and connect with fellow medical moms. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much. Thank you.